Good morning, good morning. Aren't all those kids pretty great? You can tell they need a sunshiny day. Like they, like, and I think we're going to get some sunshine today. So we'll send them out to the trampoline and the neighborhood to ride bikes or something. They're, they're, they're fired up. So they're going to have fun downstairs learning Jesus stuff. Um, the, the name of the series we're in is Change Our Lives Don't Have to Stay the Same. Our Lives Don't Have to Stay the Same. Change. And uh, one way that we experience change is uh, healing. And, uh, and so I just wanted to start off by just praying for healing. I think all, uh, there are many of us um, need physical healing in our lives in some way, or we know someone who does. And so if that's you, raise your hand. I just want to pray. We just want to join together and just pray with you. And if you forgot to raise your hand, you can still receive prayer. Jesus, here we are on a Sunday morning. It's just us. We're here, and, and uh, we're, we're thankful. We're thankful, Jesus. We're thankful for who you are. Jesus, we ask. We ask that you would uh, show your love to us, show your goodness to us. Be who you are. Be the, the God who brings change, who brings healing. And uh, let, let our asking and your answering be a part of our story. And we ask for healing. Bring healing, God. Bring, bring, bring healing into our lives, into the lives of those around us. We ask for the impossible. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen, amen. change. Our lives don't have to stay the same. Uh, I, I, I was gone. Our family, we were gone last Sunday. Actually, my kids were here with grandma, and, but we were gone last Sunday, so I didn't get to hear Jason's talk. And so how many of you make good use of, or sometimes you're able to make good use of that drive to town from Sudden Valley where we live? It's like 25 miles to town, right? Or 25 minutes or so. I'm glad it's not 25 miles. It takes us like an hour and a half. No, it takes, it takes, you know, it takes, and so I listened to the recording of Jason's message, and I'm just like trying to drive, and I'm getting to Fairhaven. I'm, it's not quite over yet, and I'm, God's really reaching my heart. And I, I drive down to, is it Marine Park? You know, and every, it's like, it's one of those locations where people just go to think. Because if you drive and you park there, you'll just park, and then you look to your left and your right. And you know, there's just like these, these random people just like, having these, like, these existential moments, you know, like, they're, like, people are just, like, looking out at the, at the beautiful wildlife and nature, and, of course, I was listening to the end of the talk that Jason gave last week. What a, what a, what a great start to this series, and um, just pointing to the hope that's available in Jesus, and this idea of change is so important, um, and it's a, it's a specific flavor of change. It's a certain kind of change. It's change for the better. It's change uh, that Jesus can bring in a world where everything seems to be running out and, and, and getting worse. That, that there's this miracle of change available in Jesus in Christian spirituality. This, that's, this our, what we're always looking for is we're looking to Jesus. We're looking for this change that's available in Jesus. And it's not because God's so disappointed in us. He's like, I wish these people would finally change. Um, it's a process made available to us, and, and, and it gives us hope. And, I'm, and 
we're, uh, we're on a journey through the Gospel of John, and I'm in John chapter 2, and I'm going to look at a couple moments in the life of Jesus, and I'm hoping that as we look at those couple of moments in the life of Jesus, it points us to this, this topic of change, because this is, a, this, this, is, uh, this is the miracle of a walk with Jesus. The entire Gospel of John arguably is, the, is, is about Jesus the Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Anointed One. And what that means is Jesus is the rescuer, the one that came to, to bring impossible change. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna, to, and the whole of Scripture really is about that, right? A world uh, created by God, this beautiful world that God's created, but somehow we've, 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 we've fallen and we've, we failed in our decision making and we've gone down the wrong path, but God had a rescue plan, a very personal rescue plan through one family, that through one family God would reach the world, that through one family, the, 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 the family of Abraham, which became a nation, that there would be a king. And then out of that, and that, that king would not just be in the, like, not in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. We have Jesus, the, the, the king from that one family, from that one nation, a forever king. That would, that would reach out to us in our broken world, bring hope, and that one day at the end of time, that all things would be made right. Like that's the story of change. That's the story of all of Scripture. And so we dive into that beautiful thing. Impossible change. Let's read. John chapter 2. Jesus turning water into wine. Jesus clearing out the temple. It goes like this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus, his mother was there. And Jesus and his, and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. And Jesus, with his great sense of humor, I think, says, Dear woman, why do you involve me? And Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Again, I read, Do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. And though the servants who had drawn the water knew, and when he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone bring out, brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. And this is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. And I want to read a little bit more, Jesus clearing out the temple. And after, the, after this, he went to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. And when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and in the temple courts he found men selling cattle, 
sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So we made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How, do, how dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And the Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He, he, did, not need man's testimony. he did not need man's testimony about him, for he knew what was in a man. He knew what was in their hearts. Jesus turning water into wine. Jesus clearing out a temple. When I was thinking about my own life and just thinking about uh, how this, how, like how does this influence my life, these, these examples of change are powerful. And I think um, the first thing that jumps out at me is like, what is Jesus doing at a wedding? Like what's he doing at a wedding? Like when I, when I think of like a holy person, like a, like a person who, who, who should teach me spirituality? Like, shouldn't they be, like, meditating on, like, a holy mountain, right? Like, like, what, like what, what, is, what is Jesus doing at a wedding? It just seems so normal. It just seems, um, it seems too, too human, right? And your first fill in the blank is, in Christian spirituality, there's a tendency to either, to overemphasize either the humanity or the divinity of Jesus. So when we overemphasize the humanity of Jesus, uh, we act as if Jesus has no power. It's like Jesus is just some guy, and you have some good stuff to say. And we can relate to him because he's just like us, but there's no power there. But when we overemphasize uh, Jesus' divinity, when we, when we overemphasize that he's God, uh, we act as if Jesus can't possibly understand what it's like to be us. Like, how could God possibly get us or understand us. And I think for me, growing up in the stream of Christianity I grew up in, we always overemphasize the divinity of Jesus. Like Jesus is like a superhero, right? Jesus knows all things, is, just gets it done. To the point to where I think growing up, I, I, I just felt like I couldn't really relate to Jesus. I love singing songs to Jesus. But the gospels really were difficult for me as a kid. Because it was just kind of like, well, well, all these things that Jesus did, like, well, he's God, so, like, why is that even hard? He's, he's got, like, like, I didn't understand, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand this idea of, of fully God, fully man, that, that fully human, that, that Jesus is, is, is showing us how to live, like, that, that Jesus set aside, um, Jesus, the Son of God, set aside portions of, of his power and he, he allowed himself to be weak, allowed himself to be in situations where, where, where he had to depend on the Holy Spirit. He had to, de, he had to be in communication with his Father, just like us. 
We have to be in communication with God to, to experience the change that we're going to experience. And uh, um, this, it's, it's uh, in the last couple of years, or maybe it's just last year and this year, in my family, my wife and, uh, did the devotional at the beginning of the year. It's like, find your, find your word for the year or whatever. And there's these great um, questions you can answer. It's kind of a devotion thing, and you can kind of like, God, what do you want for me this year? And my wife is very good at homework. How many of you are really good at homework? Like, I, I, I love reading, and so I was the kind of student who would do all the reading and extra reading and then not do the homework. And, and I'd be like, oh, I didn't get to it. I was still working on, like, this third book. Like, I just... Uh, so uh, in my regular approach to doing things, my wife sent me the link to do that devotional, and I just, I read this question. I was like, just the concept alone was really good for me, and I just prayed about it a long time. I didn't do any of the homework, and I just prayed, and I was like, God, what's my word for the year? And I just got it that way, so I cheated. Um, but uh, my, like, my word for this year is, uh, is, I don't know, like, how open you're supposed to be about your word, because then people are like, what up, man? Like, your word was patience. You don't seem very patient today. Like, uh, so my word, uh, I think, as best I can tell, is play. And uh, I, I feel like I want, like, I just want to dive into the playfulness of God, of, the, of God's, uh, um, I, I have moments where I can be, have a good sense of humor and be a playful person, but I'm a stay-at-home dad, and I homeschool my kids, and I can be, I can definitely quickly become like the tough coach, like the, the strict teacher. Like I can go that route very easily. And, and so with my kids and in my life, I can actually be uh, really kind of over serious. And so it, uh, it kind of, it really helps me. It's been helping me to kind of revisit this idea of, okay, the playfulness of God, that God just wants to hang out with me sometimes. I mean, sometimes we got to get stuff done, but Jesus also just wants to hang out with me emphasizing the humanity of Jesus. Um, Jesus would go to a wedding. Your next fill in the blank. The details of this life can be either a distraction or an opportunity to get to know the creator of all details. God meant for us to be able to embrace being human and the details of human existence without the weight of choices that separate us from God. Um, Jesus was often, while he was here, uh, was often called the son of God, but he's also often called the son of man. And another way of saying son of man is, is, uh, is more, um, the, the, the most human of humans would be a way of putting it. That Jesus was so human, he was like more human than even we are. And the, and the, the reasoning behind that would be, that, and, 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 of course, Jesus was also uh, fully God also. But and this idea of Son of Man, that, that Jesus was more human than even we are, is because sin and our decisions that separate us from God's best for us really take a, eat away at our humanity, right? Have you ever, I don't know, I've, I've seen in my own life, addiction does this to me. Like, when I have, when I'm, when I have habits that are just, like, like, pulling me away from God's best, like, I, it dehumanizes me, right? Like, I'm not able to, um, I'm not able to experience the goodness of creation around me. Uh, 
And Jesus, uh, unencumbered by these bad decisions, was able to live the most human life possible. Able to see Jesus, able to see beautiful things in the details of weddings, uh, of uh, I mean, just imagine uh, this year, well, just imagine what weddings are like, right? Uh, I remember our wedding, it's been, this is, our, this is gonna be our 20 year anniversary in August. Woohoo, 20 years, baby. And I remember our wedding, and, uh, and how, I grew up in a church where we went to a lot of weddings. Um, you know, I always loved those mint, those mint candies. You're supposed to, I think my parents said you can have two. And man, we, us kids, we would just be, I don't know where they, who was replenishing the mint candy bowls because I was eating like 30 or 40 just myself. And, uh, oh, and your, your, your mouth would hurt like for a couple of days because you had too many mint candies at the wedding, you know. Um, but just weddings, like the gossip that just inevitably happened in a setting like that, the social anxiety, the money spent that no one really had, you know. Uh, and you see this at this wedding, right? There's like, there's, there's, there's not enough wine, there's not enough, uh, um, it just, it's like, it's just the social anxiety of who's gonna, who's gonna see that we didn't, there wasn't enough food here, or there wasn't enough wine, or, um, and Jesus, in a very real moment, able to just show this extreme generosity, and, and really a messy situation, right, because, um, the Gospels in a number of places, uh, like, talk about, hey, be careful. Like, drunkenness is a trap. Like, uh, the, the, the Bible is very open about talking about, uh, like, consuming too much wine can mess you up, right? Um, but at the same time, uh, Jesus, the descriptions of Jesus, like, if you look in uh, Matthew 11, it says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard. Like, these were the descriptions of Jesus. People saw who Jesus hang out with, hung out with. They saw him drinking wine, obviously, if they're going to call him that. And, uh, and so what a messy situation. And this extreme generosity, got, you know, Jesus didn't just, just, just create a little bit of wine. He created way too much to the point to where people would still be, still be given uh, a very difficult decision. Like this wine that Jesus made for us, I still need to make good decisions about how much of it I'm going to drink. Like, how messed up is that, right? Like, like that, that, that the, this way that Jesus gives us this freedom to live dangerously, and that's not a new concept, this, uh, this dangerous um, situation we're in. Our, our next fill in the blank is God creates us and, pla and places us in a universe and gives us a dangerous gift called choice. It's really a dangerous gift. And I want to say dangerous just to get your attention, but it's not just dangerous, is it? It's like this beautiful, powerful gift. And just like ever, anything with power, right? Power can be used for good. Power can be used for bad. Uh, continuing and with your fill in the blanks there. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, our ability to choose God's way can become the life-changing pattern of our lives. The most messed up part of who we are is this very disappointing decision-making process. These, these roads we've gone down again and again where we've made the wrong decisions, we've made the wrong choices. But at the same time, the most beautiful thing 
the most beautiful opportunity in our lives is this ability to make a choice. And, and making a choice, and you want to back it up with action, and sl hopefully slowly but surely you make decision. You are able to back that up, hopefully by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but that ability to just, to just go, I, I don't, the, everything in me is so messed up, but I, I choose you, Jesus. I don't even understand what's best, but I, but I want to understand what's best, and I want to choose you. And Jesus, as best I can with the information I have and, and where I'm at in my life, I just I want to take my next step toward you. I want to, I want to respond to you as best I can. I want to use this, 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 uh, this powerful gift of choice. I love in, in the passage we just read where Mary, the mother of Jesus, says to the servants, hey, just do, just, you know, Jesus kind of makes this funny remark, like, come on, mom, like, are you really going to make me do it? Like, is my first, is my first uh, miracle really going to be turning water into wine? Like, come on. And, but, he, but there's this, but, but Jesus, I think there's a pattern of scripture, in Scripture of Jesus, of God loving to respond to our desire, loving to respond to our need. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, just says, just, just, just do whatever he says. And what if, what if in our lives we could get a hold of that? Like, just, just, what if we just, as best we can, as best we can hear God in our daily lives, what if we just, just do whatever he says? And I know that Jesus in his grace and in his mercy is going to give us small steps. It's going to give us small opportunities to step out in faith in small ways. It's going to give us um, sometimes dramatic opportunities. And I know those come here and there. Uh, I, like, I love the metaphor and just the real-life situation of a wedding. Just imagine all the different people at a wedding, right? For some people at this wedding, in the bride and groom for one, like this is a major day, right? But, you know, like there might be, I don't know if they're like, I, apparently there were servants there. Like maybe there were people who all they did mostly is like carry water from the river to these containers for the weddings of the village. And they've just been doing this for years. It's just another day in the life, right? It's like, oh, we got to get more water because now it's, I don't know, this guy says he wants us to fill the water tanks again, right? And so, for, so at this wedding, there are some people that are, that are in this giant moment. There's other people that are just in the grind of water carrying. And I bet they were tough. People who carry water are tough. <laughs> That's definitely a fill in the blank. People who carry water. <laughs> uh. God desires to dwell among us. God desires to dwell within us. To dwell together with God is to be changed. Next portion of scripture we read, Jesus clears out the temple. Uh, all these people exchanging money. We've heard this scripture many times. You know, usually this is... Uh, this is given as the one, the, the example of righteous anger, right? Like, I remember as a kid, like, um, hearing just different talks, like, you know, anger isn't always bad, you know? Like, sometimes, I mean, Jesus in the temple, he had, he had righteous anger, and, and it is, uh, that's true, and I think there's something to be said for that. That's, there is such thing as righteous anger that of this, of this, um, 
and I and this idea of uh, but then it, in the in the in the Gospel of John, it talks about Jesus saying, "And I could tear this place down and rebuild it in three days." And in so many words, he's saying, "I'm the temple." He's at the temple. He clears out the temple, and he says. I'm the temple. And if, if we look at that theme in Scripture, we realize, wait a second, not only is Jesus the temple, he says that many times, he invites us to be the temple. What is a temple? A temple is place where God's dwells, where God's presence dwells, place where the presence of God is, place where the glory of God is. What's the glory? Glory is this so, this intangible something that points to the virtues of God, this something that points to who God is, like glory, it's honor, it's, 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 it's saying there's value there. Like when you, we hear of angels in the Bible singing glory to God in the highest, they're saying all the honor, all the goodness, all the good virtue, everything is pointing to God. He, God is the source of all that. And so a temple is where that we're supposed to get that. And uh, we, we, we're familiar with, uh, with passages like your body is a temple and um, very important passages of Scripture. Uh, growing up in Christianity like I did, it was, it was one of the, bless you, by the way. Uh, growing up in Christianity, it was, it was fun to be around kids who would like make light. Uh, like they would take like an over-the-top uh, uh, important scripture from, and then they would kind of make light of it, and we would all laugh, and, you know, so, like, someone would eat one too many Rice Krispie treats, and, and, uh, and you'd, and then they'd offer a Rice Krispie treat to someone else, and they'd be like, no, my body is a temple, I can't, you know, and, you know, and, and is that true? Yes, but what is the deeper meaning? It's not, it's not about eating one less Rice Krispie treat, right? Uh, it's about, it's about, no, my body is a temple, my body, like Jesus wants, the very presence of God was meant to dwell within me. The very presence of God was meant to be in me. And like Jason preached last week, where Jesus is, everything is, every, it's, it's game over. Like, if, if not now, it will be later. Change is going to happen. Change, where Jesus is, change happens. And we saw that in, uh, in with, uh, was it Peter and John? In Acts chapter 4, they were amazed and they realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. They listened, the Sanhedrin listens to Peter and John. This is after the resurrection, after um, Jesus is raised from the dead uh, and, ascent to, and ascended to heaven. Um, major life change in Peter and, J Peter and John's life. And people looked at him, they're just blown away, right? These people have been with Jesus. Is that available to us? Hmm. I think it is. The impossible change, our next fill in the blank, available from Jesus can be both gradual and all at once. God can clean out the temple of our lives with one fell swoop, and God can also plant us like a tree and wait for fruit to grow many months or years later. I love dramatic change, I think. In the moment, I don't think I do. Like, uh, but later on, it's kind of cool. Like, we, the, the money changers in the temple, we don't know the story of who all these different people were. But you know how it is. Like, I bet 15, 20 years later, 
be like, Grandpa, tell the story. And, and uh, you know, maybe that one of those money changers became a follower of Jesus, like, later in life or maybe soon thereafter. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, I was one of the money changers. Jesus totally flipped my table. Like, my, like I lost so much money that day. Like, like, you would not believe how much money I lost. And kind of bragging about, like, Jesus totally messed me up, right? And, and, and they would talk about like that, like, uh, like, that would be their, like, the highest moment, the, like, the highest point in their, life, in their uh, Jesus resume, right? Like, I made it into the Bible. I mean, not my name, but, I mean, my money was on the floor. Like, I, like, I remember. Um, but, and that's dramatic change, right? All at once change. But um, more times than not, we see, not in the passage we read today, but so familiar, I don't even have, and I have many passages because I'm that kind of person. I have, like, five or six scriptures for all my points, but I'm not going to read. But, uh, but one of a... It's very familiar to us the way that Jesus, again and again, will use these agricultural metaphors where, where Jesus will say, I'm, I'm going to plant you like a seed. I'm, a, a, a tree is going to grow. Fruit is, you're, you're going to bear fruit like a tree. Anybody, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a cl- the classic elementary school project, right? You get like this little bag of seeds and the teacher goes, uh, okay, we're going to put it in this soil and uh, we're going to water it, and it's going to grow. And the kids are, like, like watching for the first five minutes, you know, like, like it, didn't grow, it didn't grow yet, teacher. And so the, I, I remember this used to always happen to two or three times during my elementary school years. The teacher would do this, right, and then it would be, it would be in some container, and then we would completely, like, like, it was so useless to watch these things grow because they never grew, right? And then the teacher would be cleaning up the classroom and, go, like, going through the lost and found pile. And there would be, like, this random Tupperware. And, and it was like, who's lunch? And she'd open it up, and they'd be like, those are our seeds. And they're, like, growing, like, the, like uh, these seeds that we completely forgot about. And, these, and they're just, like, these runners and roots coming out of the Tupperware, I don't know. You had to have been there. It was great. But a lot of times, the change in our lives is slow. Um, one of the mysteries of Christianity is uh, just how, just the grand picture of how Jesus, our rescuer, the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus the Christ, like how this thing has all, has all shaken out. Because there, if you look at all the scriptures that point to the Messiah, um, Jesus got it done when he was here, but he didn't get it all done yet, right? They, like Jesus, at the end of days, will finally bring all things to completion, will finally complete everything that it means to be a Messiah, everything it means to be the rescuer, everything that it means. And so... That one of the mysteries of Jesus is that the Roman Empire was still running things when he, like when he left. I mean, like talk about uh, just a, an obvious example of Jesus. You didn't get it done. Now, why didn't Jesus get it done? I mean, he got it done in the big picture. We know, but from a human perspective, from where we stand, it didn't look like it looked like there's a lot of unfinished business. 
And this unfinished business, now that we, real, now that we look at the, at the overarching arching trajectory of what Christ has done and what Christ will do, we realize, oh, it was God's patience. It was God's patience uh, that, has, that has made it for made it so that it was God's you see if God brings his perfect justice and makes all things all things right all at once what that perfect justice means people who have people who have not chosen to surrender to Jesus like they miss out right and so like God doesn't want anyone to perish and also and God also wants us to participate in in this grand um, project in this in this in this making new of all things. And, uh, and so God in his patience um, has left unfinished business. And because of that, there's a lot of change that could be all at once, could be immediate, could be sudden, that Jesus allows for this change to be slow, like a seed growing, like a tree. And so Jesus has to be in the slow and he can also be in the immediate, can be in the, in the big, giant moments of, I just got married, those big, giant moments of life. It bothers me. I'm not the most patient person. It bothers me that, that things can be slow. Um, and I think, if I'm completely honest, if I look at... I look at uh, Deep down inside, I think I've said things such as, yeah, that person's never going to change. Now, I wouldn't say that out loud because I know that just sounds horrible. But like deep down inside, I've just kind of like kind of given up on some people. Uh, maybe on, maybe on, the, on the periphery of my family or, um, but underneath that, what's so sad is underneath that is, an, is another lie of the enemy. And that's this. It's even scarier than the first thing I said, which is kind of sound, even sounds hurtful, doesn't it? Just to say, oh, they're never going to change. It sounds hurtful, doesn't it? But underneath that, you know what's so sad is uh, this other lie that I've told myself many times is I'm just, I'm just never going to change. Like I just can't change. Like I've tried to change. And, um, and, it's, and it's disappointing because I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a person who sets goals. Um, I have so many examples of goals I've set that I've just not. I've just not. I'm just not there. I've not arrived. But what if, like Jesus, we could be patient with others? And crazy as it may sound, what if we could be patient with ourselves? Like, what if we could? What, what if we could allow? God's goodness to just be planted in us like a seed. What if we could, what if we could, and, and, and as we, as that slow movement of God happens in us, what if we could just look for the next opportunity to say yes to Jesus? Um, I know the way this, that God has healed me from like a lot of messed up stuff in my life has really just been, I don't know what the next step is. I mean, I don't know what the magic bullet is, right? Like, have you ever had a difficult situation in your life and you're like, if somebody would just tell me the right thing to do and then it'll just solve it and then we'll be done with this. Like, I've wished that a million times. But more times than not, the way God works is there's this quiet 
voice of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you that's, that it's really easy to drown it out with a lot of distraction, and you just kind of go, you, you kind of have these moments where you're like, God, are you, are you speaking to me? Like, are you, are you giving me a, this opportunity for a reason? Am I supposed to step out in faith in this, in this small way? Am I supposed to, I don't know if I'm getting it right, but yeah, I'm going to do that. And you take these tiny little steps. These little steps of obedience, and these little steps of obedience gain momentum, and they, over time, they become love, right? And we see that in marriages. Um, I love those fall in love, giant, romantic moments, but so much in the most meaningful, loving relationships in our lives, if we're completely honest, right, it's these tiny decisions over and over and over and over again. It's just like, like, oh, yeah. I love, I love in this small way. I love, like, I choose love. I choose, I, ch- I choose this way. And then over time, God just does that. And you see evidence of it looking back. This uh, wedding feast, because we have the whole Bible, we're able to um, see that it points ahead and anticipates this wedding feast in Revelation chapter 19, Um, the marriage of the Lamb at the end of days when all things are made right, that there's a wedding at the end of days. Uh, And then if we think about that for very long, what's beautiful about Christian theology, about Christian spirituality is you kind of like start thinking about a theme and it just kind of just starts weaving itself back together over and over again. So so we're talking about a wedding. We look forward to a wedding feast at the end of days when all things are made right. And what does that make us think about? It makes us think about, uh, oh, the, the cup, the, the bread, the, the Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist, like Jesus at the Lord's Supper saying, hey, when you do this, remember me. Your last fill in the blank is this. When we eat the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of Jesus, we can celebrate impossible life change in the past, present, and future. We remember what Jesus has done in the past. We experience Jesus right now in the present. We anticipate Jesus healing all things in the future. Yes, there was this once-for-all sacrifice uh, that t- it's talked about in the book of Hebrews where Jesus died on the cross and, you know, and uh, shed his blood and, and uh, broke, his body was broken for us. And, um, and that's in the past, and we, and we remember that. But we can experience it when we, um, when we drink the cup and eat the bread right here in the present moment. And uh, we can experience that every single time that we, that we just say, Jesus, everything that you've accomplished, I just... I take notice of it right now in the present moment, and I just say, all the power of that, would you bring it into my present situation? Like, would you do that now? And then we anticipate, we look to the future, and we say, uh, God, I kn- and the reason I'm, I, I ask you to come into this present moment is because I want everything that you have for me. Like, I see the future. Um, I, will, I mean, I see what you've promised for the future, and that gives me hope. I know that you are going to make things right. I know that no matter what, you are going to take uh, this broken world and you're going to heal it. You're going to bring impossible change. My hope is in you, Jesus. 
and I participate that in that right now. Um, that gets described a lot of ways, right? I got saved. I'm being saved right now. I will be saved. Sometimes people use big words like uh, justification. I was justified. I'm being sanctified. Sanctification. But one day I will be glorified. Glorification. Past, present, and future. One day I will be glorified just means one day everything about me will point to God's goodness. Everything about me will say, all honor is yours, Jesus. I look at my life and I see the miracle of change in my life. What if that could be the miracle of our lives? I love accomplishing stuff. I think about my kids growing up and I think, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I accomplished something so that my kids could have an elevator speech about who their dad is like uh you know like you know elevator speech just means like what like you can say it in like 30 seconds like how cool would it be if like my kid could just say like yeah my dad oh yeah my dad invented the whatever or my dad started this business called the you've heard of it right or like like these ideas like or my dad wrote this book or my you know like how cool would it be right if we accomplished something like that but you know what the greatest, uh, the greatest gift we could give the next generation is just evidence, evidence of life change, of just like, I was, I was this. And over the course of my life, this, the, these small decisions were made. These small miracles happened. Change happened. Yeah, I'm still pretty messed up. But change has happened, and it's still happening in my life. That is the miracle of my life. What if we could hand that off to our kids? What if we can embrace hope again? What if we're willing to try again? Be vulnerable again? Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts and says, would you, would, you, would you allow me to dwell in every single room of your heart? Would you open every single door, every single part? Would you once again air out, that, air out your heart? Like open all the doors and windows, invite Jesus into every area. Our love for God could be reawakened. And it might be inconvenienced. It might be humbling. Um, we might, Jesus might invite us to be a beginner again. But I want that. I think this morning, my, 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 my hope was that as I spoke, that I would somehow be able to point to the hope available in Jesus and that we would, we would, we would kind of have this thing in our hearts that would go, ah, oh, I want to, I want to try again. Not because our try is what it's about, but it's about our responsiveness to Jesus. It's like, I want to respond to Jesus again. I want to, I want to act as if the hope that God is giving me is real again. And so um, as we worship in close and closing, we're going we're gonna to drink the cup and eat the bread. And I want to pray for that now. And as you do that, and we're, it won't be a formal thing, you, you'll come up and uh, while we're worshiping Jesus, you'll come up and, and, and receive the elements. And you'll go back and you'll just take it um, as you worship. Um, but as you do that, I just invite you to, invite you to, just, to just go, to just invite Jesus into this moment and just go, Jesus, I want your patience. I want your patience for me. I want your, I, I say yes to your process, whatever it looks like. Jesus, I want I want to say yes to you once again. I want to try once again. I want to, I want to be patient with myself, and I want to receive your goodness once again. I, I want to believe that change is possible. Other people can change. I can change. 
that can be the biggest miracle of our lives. Let's worship Jesus.